This is the day that the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Even on such a day as this, he is worthy to be praised. Well, I've got to get right into the message today. I don't even have time to set the table. So let's jump right into it. We've been talking about for the last couple of weeks how people change. And we said um, the first week, we said it's about the heart. You cannot just uh, start with the behavior. Oh, bridge kids, deuces. Sorry, bridge kids. I told y'all I can't even set the table. Bridge kids, you are dismissed. Uh, Miss Amanda and Miss Michaela or Mariah, whichever one she is, she's waiting on you at the back. All right. So the, the first week we said um, change starts with the heart and God gives us a new heart. That's a promise of the new covenant. He said, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. And after he gives that new heart, we have a life style now of repentance, where we are turning from the, the idols of our lives, the idols of work, the idols of, of human opinion, whatever the idol is, we're turning from it and now turning to God. Idols are nothing but God replacements. Idols are things that we make more important than God. And so we're called to repent. And then the next week we said the way we change is not through our own power, but through the God-given power of the Holy Spirit. And so last week we focused on spirit, on the spirit. And so we talked about a new heart. We talked about a new spirit. Now, if you just took what I said um, and, and went along with it, you just think it's just me and God. And that's how change happens. As long as I got the Lord, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. That's what you're probably thinking, but that's not how God has orchestrated us to work. Um, it's just us and him. God himself, we've said this before, God himself lives in community. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so if we as his image bearers are to be reflectors or mirrors of the Father, then community is critical to lasting change. And so today I want to make this proposition that change is a community project. Change is a community project. It's not just you and the Lord, but it's God has given us one another to help us change. And so if we are going to change, what we need then is biblical friendships. If we're going to change, what we need is biblical friendships. We need somebody to tell us, hey, Daniel, don't you do that. And, and I'm telling you this because I love you, Daniel. Don't you knock Courtney upside the head. She's going to karate kick you. Don't, don't do that. But you need these types of biblical friendships that are meaningful. And so what is the model? What is a, a model that we can look towards as far as biblical friendships? I'm glad that you asked. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel number 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we're just simply talking this morning about biblical friendships, which is a crucial part of having lasting change. 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Will we have that on the screen? Say yes or no. Yes. All right. It'll be on the screen as well. We'll read just the first five verses. 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
verses 1 through 5. And here's what thus says the Lord. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And verse 5 says, And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Biblical friends, biblical friends connect with one another at the deepest heart level. Biblical friends connect at the deepest heart level. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says that Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. That word knit means to, to tie together, to be bound. When we're referring to relationships, that word means that the relationship is characterized by a deep devotion. And notice what the text says was knit together. It was their souls. This, my fr this friends, is the deepest level of human connection. That, that word soul can also be translated life. That their lives were knitted together. Look, look, look. Jonathan and David were not Facebook friends. <laughs> Jonathan and David were not mere acquaintances. Now, Jonathan and David, they were not just buddies. They had the deepest level of affection and the deepest bond that two people could have outside of being married. They, they were like brothers. Though they had two different daddies, they were like brothers. Jonathan and David were the 2 a.m. kind of friends. You, you know, you, you, everybody needs a 2 a.m. friend. A friend you can call when you're having that deepest struggle, when, when you're about to lose your mind. Jonathan and David were those kind of friends. And church, if you want lasting change, not just temporary change, but lasting change, you need to have at least one friend that you connect, can connect with at the deepest level of affection. This person should be someone other than your spouse. I, I, I know it. I tell everybody, Connie is my best friend. I mean that. But I need somebody else outside of Connie because sometimes my issue that I'm struggling with is cunning. <laughs> All the married folks said amen. amen. Sometimes I need to be able to go to my friend and say, here's where I'm struggling as a husband. Not necessarily going to tell about cunning, but this is where we're struggling. Am I tripping? Is she tripping? We both tripping? Help me out. Speak into my life. 
And so sometimes, and, and so what I'm encouraging us to do is be friends with your spouse, but have a friend with somebody else outside of your spouse, outside of your significant other, where you can have this deepest level of, uh, of ties and bonds. If you want to experience lasting change, you need someone that you can connect with at the deepest level. So biblical friends connect at the deepest heart level. But not only do they connect at the deepest heart level, but biblical friends have a mutual commitment to one another. Biblical friends have a mutual commitment to one another. Look at verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. The literal translation of verse 3 begins like this. Then Jonathan cut a covenant with David. Don't read too fast, my friends. This is significant. Let's let's do something real quick. Go with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis should be easy to find. It's at the beginning of your Bible. First book of the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 15. I didn't tell our team, so it won't be on the screen. Go to Genesis chapter number 15. We'll start at verse 8, but let me set us up real quick. At this point in the story, God has restated his covenant promise to Abram. He, he told Abram, I will bless you. I'm going to give you seed, and that seed is going to have a land. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless them. Whoever curses you, I'll curse them, and you'll be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So in chapter 15, God is restating this covenant, and he told him, you, won't have, you don't have to worry about one of your servants, one of your slaves inheriting uh, um, uh, all of your possessions because I'm going to give you a son. At this point, Abram had not had a son. Sarai was barren, and so she could not give him a son. So Abram was concerned, saying, so I'm going to have to give this to one of my workers? And the Lord says, no, not so. A part of this covenant promise that I'm making with you is that you will have a son, but not only will you have this one son, but your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the heaven. And so Abram said, all right, this sounds good, Lord. But I need something else. Tell me how I would know that this is actually going to happen. How will I know that we will actually possess this land that you promised me? That's verse 8. Go with me to verse 9. Genesis chapter 15, verse 9. God says, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these. Abraham, or Abram at the time, brings God all these things. Watch this and what happens. And cut them in half. Significant. And then they laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And so then God tells him some more about his future. Now jump to verse 17. The text says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord, the Lord excuse me, made a covenant with, Abra- with Adam. Abram, excuse me. 
what we've got here, God says, I'm the one making the covenant with you. So we're going to take these animals, cut them in half, and now the symbolic, the, the sim, my symbolic presence is going to pass between these two halves. Essentially saying that if I don't keep this promise, may my future be as these animals. God says, I'm so much God, and I can make this promise, promise to you that I can even put my life on the line and say, if I don't keep my promise, then I'm going to have to be like these animals that have been cut in half. That's why the Hebrew scriptures typically say, our English Bible say, and they made a covenant, but the Hebrew scriptures always say, and they cut a covenant. That's the significance of covenant making. There's this agreement or promise on the behalf of one individual saying, I'm going to do whatever I said I was going to do. So as we go back to 1 Samuel 18, it's significant that Jonathan made a covenant or Jonathan cut a covenant with David. Jonathan was saying, I'm so connected with you. I'm so bound to you that I'm willing to put my life up as collateral. That's how connected I'm going to be to you as my friend. Friends, biblical friendships require covenant loyalty. We need some loyal friends. When you are trying to experience lasting change, you need loyal friends. Think about it. When you're trying to change, that's when you need somebody that's going to be with you through thick and thin. That's when you really need somebody that's going to be with you through the good times and the bad times. When you mess up royally, that's when you really need a biblical friend. When you backslide, you need a loyal friend. You need friends that are so loyal that they are willing to tell you the truth. Now, it's going to get real uncomfortable right now. Friends, the basis of Jonathan's loyalty was his love. The text says he made a covenant with him because he loved as his own soul. Love led to this loyalty. Because we love our friends so much, we should be willing to speak the truth in love. Biblical friends love one another so much, they are so loyal to one another that they are willing to confront them with the truth. Let me be the first one to say this is tough. This is the part of friendship we don't like. Oftentimes, we shy away from and and we avoid confrontation. We want to just keep the peace. But remember, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Friends, to be unwilling to confront our friends with the truth is unloving. Okay, let me me push a little harder. In other words, to not speak the truth in love to a friend is a form of passive hatred. Paul Tripp, in his book, Instruments in the Redeemer, Redeemer's Hand, says, We fail to confront not because we love others too much, but because we love ourselves too much. 
We fear others' misunderstanding of us or being angry with us. We are afraid of what others will think. He says, biblical friends are so loyal that they'll tell you even when you're wrong. Biblical friends will tell you when you are sinning. And let God, the Holy Spirit, deal with the results. I got to get out of here. Lastly, biblical friendship requires sacrifice. Biblical friendship, thirdly, biblical friendship requires sacrifice. Where did I get this in the text? Look at verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. Something cultural is going on here. Oftentimes, the heir apparent to the throne was given a special wardrobe. He was given special attire. The wardrobe that he wore signified that he was next in line to be king. So when Jonathan takes off his clothing and his armor and gives it to David, he's literally giving David the keys to the kingdom. Y'all, Jonathan is next man in line. All he needs is his daddy to die. His daddy died, his daddy dies, and he's now the head man in charge. Jonathan is going to be at the top of the food chain. Jonathan's going to be able to speak and things are going to get done. And he says, I'm going to give up all this power, all this authority, all the possessions to David. Jonathan says, I'm, I'm so connected to you at this deepest level and I'm, I'm so committed to this relationship that I realize that this friendship is not just about me. It's not about what I can get out of you for me. But David, I see the anointing on your life. I see the potential, the, the, the holy potential you have. And so I'm going to voluntarily Give up my right to the throne because God has anointed you for this. We have to be people like Jonathan that are willing to sacrifice for the sake of friendship. We've got to learn to be selfless. That's the hardest thing to teach and to preach in the American church. Because we have this American idea that it's all about us. And I'm going to blame your mama and your daddy. And the, the, but Jesus is the perfect model of selflessness. He left all his glory in heaven to come to a filthy place called the earth to die for sins that he did not commit. That's the type of friends we must have, and that's the type of friends we must be. Let me tell you the biggest sacrifice for us now, today, in 2017. The biggest sacrifice that most of us need to make in order to be biblical friends and to have biblical friends is the sacrifice of time. I, I'm going to confess to y'all, this sermon been eating away at me all week long because I am a terrible friend. I don't call. I don't text. I don't email. I don't do nothing. I ain't coming to your house, and I feel good when you don't invite me. I am a terrible friend. I just don't have the time. 
I got church stuff to do. I got my family first and foremost. And, and then I've got to watch the Cowboys win today. And the church said, amen. <laughs> and then later tonight, I'll watch the Chiefs. Anyways, I just don't have time. I am a terrible friend. But most of us, the reason we don't have friendships is because we just don't make the time for it. And friends, what I'm telling you is that you, in order to have biblical friendships, in order to have lasting change, you've got to make time. You've, you've got to sacrifice time. Because change is a community project. You stifle your ability to change when you don't have biblical friends. I'm done, but as, the, as I close, here are some possible applications from today's sermon. Pray for God to send the right person or persons into your life that can become your friend and that you can be a biblical friend to. Pray, for God, pray to God for biblical friends. Maybe you need to create some margin in your life, time, to have friendships and or to be a better friend. That's, that's one of my applications. I have a great friend back in Dallas. And that friend, he knows he can call me. And when he calls me, y'all, he's like, all right, how, how, how's your heart? How, how, how are you treating Cunning? Are you loving her well? How, are you spending time with BJ? Are, are you keeping your eyes pure, your, your ears pure? My, my friend has the... Uh, we've made a commitment to one another that nothing is off limits. You can ask me about anything. How, my, my friend, ooh, this is a good one for America. He can even ask me about my money. Are you being a good steward over your money? Now, I stifle my ability to my sanctification sometimes because I don't stay in contact with him like I ought to. And so I'm saying to us, we need to create some margin. We need to be intentional about making time for friends. Maybe you need to repent of being an unfaithful friend. Call your friend and apologize to them for not being loyal and selfless. Maybe you need to call your friend and just thank them for being a loyal friend, a biblical friend and confirm and renew your commitment to the friendship. Finally, rejoice. Rejoice in the fact that even when our human friends disappoint us, we have a friend in Jesus. He is the penultimate example of a friend. Jesus said this about friendship. He said, greater love has no man than this, than someone who will lay down his life for his friends. And church, that's exactly what he did. Jesus dealt with our sin problem. He took our punishment upon himself by dying on a cross. And I concur with that hymn writer who says, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No one can heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. And everybody in here has a soul disease, and that soul disease is sin. 
And friends, that soul disease is a terminal disease. It ends in death. The wages of sin is death. But the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus heals this disease. It is by his stripes that we have been healed. And so we don't have to fear death because we have the promise of the gospel, which is eternal life. If you are here today today and you're not yet trusting Jesus, Jesus says, I will be your friend. But you've got to trust me. Trust that I, being the son of God, hung on the cross, was buried and rose on the third day. And if you will surrender your life to me, I will be a friend that's closer than a brother. I will be a friend that forgives all sin. If you believe, you will be saved from the wrath of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you now for what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard. Thank you that you give us a new heart, you give us the Holy Spirit, and then you give us one another to help us have lasting change and not just temporal change. Thank you, Father, for the change that is happening in people right now and the change that will happen in people. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said, amen.